Welcome to another episode of The Boy Behind The Man. My name is Piero Mardesic, and I'm ridiculously excited to have a special guest today with me whose energy supersedes mine. His name is Marcus Black. He has a podcast called The Vitalize. You need to listen to this guy. He rocks my world. I met him on Clubhouse, and his energy and his passion was just electrifying. So please remember that the information that my special guests talk about is vulnerability and it's vulnerable to them. It is personal to them. They are opening up. They are sharing their story purely so that they can help you as an audience understand that even the best of us go through tough times because not only that, we all have struggles, adversities, and addiction in our life. So I hope you really love the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, have some fun and share this with your friends. So you can find Marcus Black on Instagram. You can find him on TikTok. You can find him on Clubhouse. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, www.pieromardesic.com and www.addictedtogrow.com. See you soon. Tune in. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Holy shit. It's, how good is it to meet someone in person, yeah? It is great, man. It's awesome, man. Dude, I, 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 oh, you got a didgeridoo. I do. You know how to play it? No. You need to learn. <laughs> I got it in Australia. Especially because today is Australia Day. When were you in Australia? 2011 and 2012. I came for like six weeks both years. Yeah? What'd you love, love the most? Everything. The people, the culture. The beaches, the animals, ev- literally everything. It's awesome, huh? It's awesome. Yep, absolutely. Man, I need to I need to get to America though. Like I want to get over there. Come on, man. Yeah, man. I'm waiting until these borders open and then I'm there. Seriously. I've met so many people in America. Good. In the, last, in the last three years, man. In the last three years. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, I feel like if you and I were sitting across the table, no one else would get a word in. Probably. I could see that. <laughs> I could definitely see it. man wow so all right there's something that i want to do together at the end of this and that is just like basically quote for quote just have some fun and just like make a song quote for quote right at at the end okay great man but i guess just to go back to the moment that we met and and i'll uh i'll start the story off uh addiction's a real thing right yeah uh young boys um, young man, fatherhood, like parents not being around or if they are around, like that old influential top, you know, don't cry. you got to do this. You're a man. You know, that kind of attitude. From my perspective, just so that we can lay a grounding for the audience, I guess the most problematic thing that I had was my father always being busy. He was just always busy. And in my head, like I made that mean that he didn't want to hang out with me. So wherever I got attention from, which is other kids at school, things like that, being bullied at school, I turned it into attention rather than being bullied. So I don't, sticks and stones, right? Names will never hurt us. But my biggest, my biggest thing that hit me hard, man, at the age of 10, when, when my dad showed me what pornography was, in the 80s and 90s, you know, Playboy magazine, Hustler magazine, People magazine, that was normal, man. That was normal amongst that age group of men that were working hard in that industrial era and mining sites. You know, that was normal. 
So that molded me. So when I think about why I wanted to share this with the world and how I can help men and boys, motivate them to do better things for themselves, from, from your perspective, and you're growing up, right? Because this is suburbia, Australia for me. Man, I was privileged as fuck. Like I want the audience to understand. Man, I had everything. I was privileged as. I had all the clothes given to me. My mum's Filipino, my dad's Croatian. Like, yeah, they're immigrants, but like the Filipino background had an American influence. So man, I had Nike shirts and shorts like all the time. I was privileged as hell, man. So it kind of makes me think, why then, why then did I turn to this, right? And it was all the stories that I made up, which everyone does. Someone that tries to tell me I didn't go through any struggle, it's like, bullshit, you just got to find it, <laughs> you know? Agreed. So when you, talk about it from, from, when you talk about it from your perspective, what was it like growing up where you were and what were your struggles and adversity that you want to share on how this can help other people, young black men, young white men, anything? Damn, what were my struggles? The better question is what weren't my struggles. Yeah, man. Um, it, it was a lot, man. It really was. And, you know, when you're little, little, you don't really understand. You know, my parents actually did pretty well. But my dad actually had, he really had some voids in his heart just due to his surroundings, due to the way he grew up, not really having his dad super active in his life. Yeah. Kind of caused him to have a hole in his heart. And so because of that, he tried to fill that void with what are we talking about with addictions so he turned to alcohol pretty heavily like heavy heavy he was high functioning so he never he kept a job he always went to work but yeah. when he got home it was just anger frustration and just this yeah. perpetual ball of just so i grew up kind of walking on eggshells because there was a lot of that then i grew up in mississippi which is one of the poorest state it's the poorest state in the united states so it already was like not a lot of money, the schools weren't great, and there, there wasn't, um, we, we a lot of times didn't have a lot. So there were times where we went like a few days with no electricity or just normal basic human things you need to just kind of survive. So just mm. kind of going without that. And I just remember like, of course there's good memories mixed in, you know, but I do remember there being like just a lot of pain, a lot of, uh, I started struggling with anxiety due to it all. Just like, man, yeah. what is it? I don't know what it is. But this yeah. can't be it. Something has to be better. This has to get better. We have to, yeah. there has to be something beyond what I see. And I remember thinking that at an early age, like, man, why me? Why do I have to grow up in this environment? Why do I have to experience this pain? Yeah. Why, why do I go to school with people who grew up like you? Like, they got everything. They got all the clothes. And I'm wearing my yeah. uncle's hand-me-down clothes, four sizes too big, <laughs> that I hang wow. shoes hanging off my feet, being made fun of, being bullied, like... It, it was it was a lot, man. A lot to take in, a lot to handle. So when you when you say things to yourself like "What is anxiety? Why me?" and you and you're coming from a totally different left field, like this whole idea of like you literally had fuck all, you had barely anything, right? And here's me on the other side, right? Given everything, and someone asked me this question. This is why I wanted to ask you this because come on, someone said to me. You know, PJ, did you come from a tipping point? Did you ever, you know, did you ever have a moment where you had nothing and you you're at rock bottom, or have you always been privileged? And I was like, no, nah, I mean, I was privileged. And they always said it's almost harder coming from a place like that to help people because we see it from the outside. It wasn't until I'd done my deep reckoning to go, hang on a minute. When I think back 
when I awoken from my addictions at the age of about 30, 32, and I really saw this idea, then it started opening up other things like, you know, no wonder I didn't have sex until the age of 18. No wonder I didn't date anyone because realistically from the age of 14 all the way through, it was easier to go out to the clubs and just be loved and like, yeah, what's up, right? And I was hiding behind all that, right? I was hiding behind all of that. I just wanted to be liked, but I didn't understand that I wanted to go home alone because it was easier to go home alone. And I want the audience to understand where this comes from because this is probably the most you know, for a young boy, it's easier to go home, find a magazine, beat off, and then you don't even have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about hurting anyone's feelings. You don't have to worry about feeling rejected because that that's what it, the realism is. Because you go, hey, you want to go home with me? Like, uh, no. And it's just kind of like the dude can get broken because he just doesn't know how to comprehend it, right? Yeah. So when you think about, you know, your dad being high functional and he could hold the job and you were, you were watching that, what did that then bring out in you as you were going through teenage years? Like you were wearing, like you said, hand-me-down jumpers that were too big. What, <laughs> what? <laughs> it, um, it honestly made me make a commitment. So I get a lot of uh, people raving about me and what I'm doing now and my heart and my kindness and my compassion. I get a lot of people talking about that, but they don't realize the pain that all of that was birthed out of. And so what, what it boiled down to was me being a 10 year old kid and watching my mom in tears, having had a fight, having had him go on one of his rageous fits, having watched him throw a knife at her head and just barely miss. And it, it, it in that moment, it made me realize like, I will never want to be like that. I don't ever want to make a human being feel that type of pain, that type of anguish. I'll never make a woman feel that type of insecurity. I'll never make my kid feel that type of fear. Like I just, it was just a promise that I made to myself. So what I was doing was just trying to survive. Like it was survival mode. Like I was trying to like make it through and skate by and buy time until I could get out of that environment and create my own. Do you see a lot of anger issues amongst some of the men and women that you work with that you inspire? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, so many people experience anger, but they don't know where it comes from. And so they have it and they have this rageous fits, but they, it's like all of this stuff is deeply rooted. Like my dad, we're, it's crazy because with everything I'm telling you t- right now, today, he is literally my biggest supporter. Like he called me every day. Like, the relationship has been reconciled, but it took a long time. It, it took a lot to get there. Um, and I bring that up because he found the source for him, for himself yeah. and being able to trace back the source of his pain and being able to express that and being able to understand and come to grips with what he was missing, turn for away from the bottle, stop drinking because realized that was just killing him and only making him feel more empty and destroying the things he loved yeah. the most closest to him. Yeah. And the thing is, is our parents, they, they don't realize it, do they? Like they, when you look back now, and even you in, the, in, in those moments when you were feeling anxi- ang- anxious, and we don't actually know where it comes from. Like you just said, we don't know where anger comes from, right? And I love talking about this because I tell people and I love sharing that anger is like one of the strongest energy sources in a human body we can have. We just got to know what to do with it, right? Because aggression is then the output, the punch in the hole through a wall, the head butting, you know, kicking the door down because you just want someone to speak to you, man. Some of the stories I could tell you uh, 
I've been, and just so the audience can understand where this is coming from and why this, there's been moments where I've headbutted a wall, like a, a doorway so much that I put my head through it so I could speak to the woman on the other side. Cause I was just like, why won't you talk to me? It was just coming from a place that was like channeling through me, like some kind of demon, like the monster. Right. And I love like, do you ever listen to much about Jordan Peterson? Do you ever hear that guy? I have heard some. Yeah, yeah. So I just love the way he explains this idea about men have got to be the monster, but the right kind of control. And that's the hardest thing for a man to understand because we we naturally come from a place of survival. Yeah. Because that's just the two million year old brain, right? Yeah. But the thing, but the thing behind this, like when you were at, did you go to you? So were you lucky enough in your neighborhood to go to college? Did you go to any university, anything like that? You go to I, I did. <laughs> I was on extended plan, so it took me a lot of years to get out, but I did go. And how that happened was I actually was a good football player, I was an athlete. I had a lot of offers. You know, here in America, the way to become a professional athlete, you got to go through university. Like we don't have yeah. like systems or clubs where they work their way up you got to go to university that's the route i had some opportunities to go play in university but a car accident took that from me so i had a near-death experience in a car accident yeah. that literally mm. almost took my life should have taken my life but mm -hmm. it did that left me in the way hearing the sound of his voice telling me i would never be anything i would never be successful i would never be anything but a bum and laughing almost like i told you so now now what and so what happened was I made up my mind. I found a small two-year school in Texas, which is like 500 miles away from me. So about eight hours drive. And I just said, you know what? I'm packing all my stuff and I'm leaving, which all my stuff was literally just two trash bags of clothes. I threw all my clothes in a couple trash bags, loaded up my car and took off to Texas. And he, I remember him saying to me when he leave, like he was forbidding me, you're not going anywhere. You can't do nothing. You're too immature. You're not going to make it. And here we are years later and I was able to prove him wrong. Yeah, boy. So I've heard a little bit of the car accident. Uh, and if it's not too painful to tell, I just want you to, you know, reflect on that a little bit for the audience so that they can get a description of what do you mean by what, what when you say like, I shouldn't be here. Yeah, man. So it was just a routine night, man. A cool fall night. The wind was blowing. Everything was perfect. We went to a battle of the bands, which is where universities bring all their marching bands out and they go for it. I mean, it's beautiful. Had a yeah. great night. We were on the way home. Three friends of mine and myself, not thinking much of it. I'm dozing off, falling asleep. And I heard like the loudest explosion I ever heard in my life. So after I heard this explosion, I woke up and I asked my friend, like, Yo, what's going on? Like, what's happening? I thought the engine exploded. And my friend that's driving is like, I don't know what happened. He's like frantic. And the car starts like jumping. Then the car starts shaking. Then the car starts fishtailing. Then like, this is all like at 75 miles per hour, which there, I'm trying to think how many. I don't know how to that's, compare. Yeah, it so to. 60, 60 is a hundred. So that's like a hundred and ten. Yes, yeah. So so yeah, we were moving fast. <laughs> we're going that fast and we fly off the highway at that speed, near like at a bridge. There's a huge dip down, 25 feet. We go down into this uh median with a car spinning in the air, glasses flying everywhere. We're knocking down trees. I counted six trees that we knocked down before we finally hit a massive tree, and that tree went inside the car like it split the car and was like lodged in and crunched us in like a little ball and i remember having my eyes closed i was too afraid to open my eyes because i didn't know what i was gonna see when i opened my eyes i was okay like all of us were okay long story i'll say it's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in the next few minutes 
but we all walked away from that. We we couldn't get out. We were trapped in the car. I took the door off the hinge. Like it was some of that superhuman strength stuff. My friends laugh about it to this day, although it wasn't funny then. And when we got out of that car, man, we walked up the hill. And when we got up to the top of the hill, you know, about this time, a little bit later, doctors come, police come, wrecker comes. And once the, the wrecker goes into the ditch to pull the car up, the car falls apart. Like it literally just like fell apart. It just crumbled, this huge steel machine. And we walked away from that. So when I say I'm not supposed to be here, there's no way a human should have been able to walk away from that car. It's wild. Yeah, you know, that's crazy. If I think about, if I think about a night out, so Sydney to Goulburn is about uh, two hours from city to city, right in city central to Sydney, Goulburn. I remember driving home and I just remember it being like 3 a.m. I had a night out. I, I never used to drink. My addictions were just like purely people liking me, attention and, and, and pornography, right? And sex. And so, so the drinking part was fine. The drugs was fine. I used to drug run. I used to do drug runs. I was on my way home from one of them. Man, I just remember, and there's lots of kangaroos in the middle of the road here in Australia, man, on the highway. I remember driving home and I remember a truck being the other side. And this just sparked my memory. I never thought that was something that would be so epic. The truck flashed me because I had my high beams on. So I put my high beam down. The moment that I put my high beam down, I just remember a roo being in the middle of the road and I hit him. Same thing, 110 Ks an hour. I just remember going like that. All I remember is like same, same feeling. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because it's the same thing. You're just like, I don't want to open my eyes. And then like when I open my eyes, I just remember seeing like the red lights. And I'm like, how can my red lights be in front of me? And the car was actually stopped upwards like that, facing that way. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I've got to get out the door. So I went to push the door. And because the car was upright, the door was hard to push open. So I thought my arm was broken because I was just like, this is painful to open. Anyway, I got out and I just remember falling like just down to the ground. And I was like, okay. So then I scrambled up and this truck had stopped and he just ran over to me. Same thing. Right. And, and, and when I, when I, he just goes, did you get out of that? And I said, I just, I don't know, man, I'm standing here. Like I'm just can't focus right now. The next day when I went and seen the car at the car yard, they took it to, he was like, dude, your back door shortened by like half a foot. Can't even open the back door. The back is squashed. The front's okay, but like where you hit the roux is like came in and then rolled out. And like the more that I talk about this, you know, there's more stories that are coming up. Like, oh man, I, I, I've been held at gunpoint in the middle of London because unfortunately the time that I traveled, I walked down a black street. And I know that that sounds really bad for mid 2007. So I walked down a street that I shouldn't have walked down, middle of the night. Give us everything you've got, gun to the back of my head. And that was only just 2007, right? This shit shouldn't be happening, but as you know, it does. It's terrible, even what happened last year. But yeah. for you to walk away from that and not only realize, oh my God, like I'm alive, but what you preach now, man, yeah, that's man. courage. That's courage. That's a choice that you made and a decision that you made to turn it around, man. That's where the energy went from yeah. anger. Yeah, man. So that's when I realized that I'm living on borrowed time. Like I'm not supposed to be here. So I yeah, made man. a promise. Like, I don't know why yeah. I'm here. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to figure out what I'm here for. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure that every human being that comes in contact with me knows how unique they are, knows how powerful they are, knows how special they are, knows how much they can accomplish. And I want to wake them up. Like I literally wrote a book. It's called Asleep at the Wheel. Like taking back control of your life. And it's like a wake up call. I wrote this book to be a wake up call. Everything I stand for. This is my brand. And this stands for live and love. 
like live the, and then and love. love. That's what it's about, man. You got to live life and you got to love life. Yeah. And so everything you hear me, when you hear me on Clubhouse, when you hear me on whatever you hear me, my sound of my voice, yeah. you're going to get passion because I'm still here. And as long as I'm still here, I'm pouring everything I got into people and making sure they live in love. I love that, especially when you said like, you know, I don't know exactly why, I don't know why I'm here, right? But while I am here, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows it, right? And if that's part of the purpose that you're here, and it's always going to evolve, right? It's always, we're evolving all the time, people like you and I. Even people in the audience, they don't realize it as much as we do because we've done a little bit more work from them. But they know it too. They just like, sometimes they don't have the courage yet. So if you're listening to this, right? Uh, and you're driving in your car or you're sitting at home, you got to realize you may not know it yet, but there's going to be a moment you're going to look in the mirror when you just go, fuck, I need to help more people than myself. And I, I hear you, brother, across the world, like literally the internet, clubhouse, the benefits of what it's done to introduce people like you and I to yeah. what we can do for people and how we can tell our story to share, to help them. Yeah, powerful, man. I, I was just tell the people like, man, what we're doing here, this is powerful. I'm so appreciative of you reaching out for me. If you're listening to the sound of our voices, you heard a lot of craziness, two completely different childhood, yet something was universal. Here's the thing, pain, no one's exempt from pain. Like nobody is exempt from pain. Like pain is universal. Everybody experiences it. And because we all experience it, you got to find your own, like realize that there's power and purpose both on the other side of your pain. So don't allow it to stop you from living. Don't allow it to cause you to become discouraged and whatever you do, don't let it run you into an addiction because that's just robbing you of your life. Addictions rob people of life, any addiction. I don't care what it is. For a long time, I was addicted to eating and people, that's a, something that people don't really think about. That's an addiction. And it came from an emotional hole that was in my yeah. heart where I was trying to fill a void. So like wherever you are, addictions rob you of your life. And the reason we're having this conversation is so you can know that there's a better way. And on the other side of everything you're going through, you can put down whatever your vice is that's holding you back from being the greatest you and you can step up and you can live your life. You can take control of your life. You can step up and build something bigger than you even imagined if you would just believe and take action. That's what we're here for. Just want to encourage your heart. The biggest thing that I ask people all the time is to feel, to feel triggered. Because the moment that you're triggered is the moment that you'll be able to look at that unfamiliar, uncomfortable moment in time and go, what am I supposed to do with this right now? This feels so uncomfortable to me. What am I supposed to do with it? And the moment you ask yourself that, the moment you question it, it's kind of like, well, I'm already in the middle of it, motherfucker. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to ask it. What are you supposed to be here for? You know, like it reminds me of that scary movie, right? What are you waiting for? It's kind of like you want to look up to the sky and you want to say, come on, give me more. Because yeah. just like Will Smith says, right? Fail hard, fail fast. Yeah. You can grab hold of that pain. That pain, that pain is just a stepping stone. Yeah. That's all it is, man. That's all it is. Yeah. So yeah, if you're hearing us right now, you're driving in your car, like I said before, if you're just chilling on the couch, you may not have a story like us. You may not have been through the pain like us but i can tell you right now for the sheer fact that you clicked on this and you're thinking what are these guys talking about addiction you may have one and it may be fucking netflix it may be fucking netflix you might be just i'm just going to watch another series now each to their own i'm not knocking netflix good luck to you if you love the tv show i get it but if you're going to sit there for 10 hours a day and you've got kids playing in the other room i beg you i beg you i dare you to stand up turn that off and go and play with them man. because they do what you do not what you say that's real that's real Man, Marcus Black speaks. Do you, my brother, do you have kids yet? 
I got two. Two. What do you got? I got two boys, little Marcus. Marcus the second, he's six, and Grayson is three. Are you serious? Yeah, serious. I got two boys too. Wow. I got Vincent. He's named after my dad. My dad passed away December 20. God bless dad. Yeah. I got Vincent and then I got Leonardo. So Vincent is seven. Leonardo is four, three years apart. Wow. And I've got another, I've got another one in the oven, man. Another okay. boy. <laughs> Congrats, man. Thanks, brother. It's, it, yeah. This is it, right? This is the world has given me this to even preach through to them, to yeah. make sure that they didn't go through what I did. Yeah, yeah, man. That's true. Man, man, you man. I'm so glad that we met. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. I, I appreciate your, videos, your heart. Man. I just want to say I appreciate your heart and everything you're doing and all the value that you're adding to people and, and for standing for such a worthy cause because we could we could die on a lot of hills for things that honestly don't matter a whole lot. Yeah. I see people at each other's throats ready to kill each other over politics. Like, stop, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You choose to put your time and your energy and your passion into a real place that if people would just take the mask off and stop pretending like everything oh. is okay and say, I'm not okay right now and I need some help. If people would just listen to the sound of your voice and the messages you share and let that those words lead them to hope and let those words lead them to healing and let those words lead them to community, to reaching out, man, you can change your life. And so you're changing lives. I just appreciate the work. I appreciate the heart, the passion. I've got a million requests to do podcasts and this is only my second one I've done. So some of them have higher priority than others. And I just appreciate the message and what, what you're doing and what, what you're fighting for. Man, if you were here, I'd wrap my fucking arms around you, man. I'll be back one day, man. I can't wait to get back to Australia. <laughs> you do that. You put me on the list. And I'll tell you, if I get over there, man, I'm going to be there. You know what? It's, it's one thing that I, that I love about Clubhouse is that um, it's an amazing platform. It's opened it up to amazing connections in a different way that was ever possible before, right? I could have preached this for like 10 years and if Clubhouse didn't come along, it still would have taken a long time to reach some of the people. But for the pure fact that it took even courage to stand up and say, hey, this is my problem. This is what I'm doing. How the hell do I get this out there? And for the sheer fact that people like yourself, they just say, hey, brother, just reach out to me. I'll do it with you. I'll do it. I'll do it. And so many other like men, and not only that, just men of influence that are willing to say, you're right, I've been there. And this is a bigger problem than what we think. It's, 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 it's real. And I feel as if, like, I'm lucky enough that in the next, this whole year, 2021, I'm working with two high schools in town with their year 12. So that must be like, you know, the top of your college, you, you, you know, that two years. So I can't wait just to be a brotherly figure to them and a brother figure to the sisters that may be stuck in their own thing. Cause this happens to girls too. Yeah. I want does. the men to understand that this, yeah, this is a men's podcast, but that's purely cause I can only speak about it from a brother's point of view. Yeah. But there are women that are going through this, even the wives of the men that are doing this behind their back. True. That's true, and man. It hurts. Yeah. And it even hurts them. It breaks relationships. Even the leaders are in pain, man. So true. Man, you're in a mission. You know what? I love your podcast. Your, your, daily, your daily videos, man. <laughs> man. Thank you. I do those all the time. They bring me joy. But since I've been on Clubhouse, I got an overwhelming amount of attention to my account. So Instagram just blocked me. They're like, this isn't real. It's too much. Oh, get out of town. Really? They did. They won't let me follow anyone. They won't let me comment. Oh, they won't let man. me man. Hopefully it'll go by in a couple of days. Cause I'm like, I promise you, I'm not paying people. This is just <laughs> clubhouse. 
<laughs> Man, that is epic. That is so funny. Like for me, I've just got, obviously for me, I'm just going to get into more rooms. I'm just checking it now. But yeah, if I go back, if I go back prior clubhouse, I've increased, even just for me, increased like 250 people in like a week and a half. See? Man, it's See? intense. Well, it's been 750 people in 10 days. Wow. That's just more clubhouse, yeah? <laughs> Crazy. Oh, uh, but I've, I've enjoyed the connection, man. I'm so glad I got to meet you and I'll be Thanks, supporting bro. your mission and your work. I'm thankful, man. Thanks for the opportunity to share a little yeah. bit of my story. If you guys want to hear more, you, you can find me. Like I'm I'm sharing all the time, pouring my heart out in front of a camera. So, Man, I'm going to preach you too. I really appreciate the time that you've spent, Marcus Black. It's been honestly just a... It's gratitude. You said it yourself. It's thankfulness. I'm thankful for the fact that we got to stay, that we got to share this. Man. I'm going to send you the recording, and I'm not. I'm not going to take anything out. So if you're listening to the audio right now, the playback, this is real. There's nothing we're going to hide. Amen, man. Thank you very much, Marcus Black. How can people reach you? Where else can they reach you? Man, find me on uh, Clubhouse. You can talk to me live in the flesh at M Black Speaks, or you can find me on on Instagram. That's the greatest way to get a message to me at mblackspeaks, or you can send me an email from my website at mblackspeaks.com. So we make it easy, man. Amen. Man, thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate honesty and your rawness. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Um, the final thing I say is if somebody's listening to this and you don't feel encouraged right now, if you feel a little down or a little heavy because you're in that, you're not past your pain, you're in the middle of it, reach out to someone. Yeah. Like somebody, there's somebody who would rather hear your story that see you fall off the wagon. So let them, man, reach out, reach out, reach out and get what you need. Keep listening, keep tapping in, keep pouring positivity into your mind, keep fueling your soul. And then you can turn your pain into purpose and power. I got nothing to add to that, man. That's plenty. Thanks, brother. Thank you, sir. <laughs>